Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Are you looking to wager on all the big games in sports? Well, I have great news for you. Bet Online continues to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info, from Major League Baseball to the latest fighting news and early division futures, team wins, projections, and more. The Super Bowl, NFL coming? Oh, baby. Bet Online has opened up the odds for all of that. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. That's B L E A V. To get the bonus and get into the action with Bet Online, where the game starts. Before sunrise, Burn Dairy and Deli is preparing to fuel your day with hot coffee, donuts, muffins, breakfast sandwiches, and other morning staples. For lunch, grab a giant deli sandwich made the way you like it. Pizza, wings, wraps, or a fresh salad. Plus, something to wash it down. Then pick up dinner or a sweet treat and other pantry essentials. Now you can get your Burn Dairy and Deli favorites delivered with DoorDash. All day, every day, you can count on Burn Dairy and Deli. It's all good. Gamble Sports Platter back with you all over the major platforms. We're brought to you by Rosie's Corner, Brutonese Hardware, Bowers and Company, CPAs, and our great friends at Carvel of North Syracuse. Hey, We've been getting that hot, humid weather, right? Late July, early August. Make sure you stop by Carvel of North Syracuse. If you're in and around the area, they've got amazing sweet treats from ice cream cakes to the saucers and the soft serve as well. All happening at Carvel of North Syracuse, a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. Wanted to spend this podcast here on uh, you know a fresh week uh, to kind of just recap what I took away from the Baseball Hall of Fame uh, induction um, last weekend. Uh, you heard just recently on Friday uh, my compilation of interviews with just amazing people, really. I mean, Jason Stark, Doc Gooden, Steve Garvey, Gil Hodges III, uh, Jason Veritek, Johnny Damon, Tim Wakefield, the Oliva family, Peter Gammons, Burt Blylevin, Jim Tomey, Tim Kirchin. So make sure that you go listen to that if you haven't uh, already. And just I'm just going to run through some take. I don't have anything written down. I just, you know, I, I go every year. I went down and back on Friday and, and Sunday, um, and so I just wanted to kind of give my takeaways uh, as far as, you know, what I thought about it. Um, all the speeches were, were okay. I mean, they, they, nothing was blow-away stuff. Nothing was like 2005 with, you know, Ryan Sandberg, um, you know, talking about playing the game right and all that and, and taking a shot at the steroid guys. Um, you know, the speeches of Ripken and Gwynn in 2007 were epic um, you know, the Ken Griffey Jr. speech was amazing. I mean, those are some of the ones since I've been covering uh, this event that really come to mind. Dennis Eckersley and Paul Milder were great in 2004. Um, but just the overall class, I mean, again, we're in a spot right now where we don't know, really, we don't know uh, sometimes who a Hall of Famer is. I want to go into the Great Hall and I did that about two or three different times. I want to go into the Great Hall. And I want to look at a plaque and I want to know. I want to know that's a Hall of Famer. I want to look up at Ty Cobb and Tris Speaker and Christy Mathewson and Walter Johnson and Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig and Onus Wagner and Lefty Grove and Jimmy Fox and Eddie Matthews and Hank Aaron and Willie Mays and Frank Robinson and Derek Jeter and Ken Griffey Jr., 
I want to look at Cal Ripken Jr., Tony Gwynn. I want to look at Sandy Koufax. I want to look, you know, at all those guys for the history of the game. I want to look at Boggs and Sandberg and Randy Johnson and everybody in the annals of baseball history. I want to look at it and go, Hall of Famer, of course. But I think we're getting to a point now where because politics, um, you know, awarding 10th place trophies um, and, and you know, just the overall, we got to put more people in, we got to put more people in. Who says? You're either a Hall of Famer, you know, or you're not, really. And I'm okay with the different ballots because I think there's a difference between Mike Messina and Sandy Koufax. I think there's a difference between... You know, Derek Jeter and Keller Ripken Jr. And, and Barry Larkin. You know, I think there's a difference between certainly, um, you know, uh, Hank Aaron and Willie Mays and 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 some others. I, I think that there's no question about that. Um, but what bothers me is once you use politics like Tony La Russa did to get Harold Baines into the Hall of Fame, which is an absolute joke. Harold Baines never finished higher than ninth in AL MVP voting. He has no accolades, no awards. Uh, the guy, no postseason remember, you know, memories, moments. Um, was never the best player on his team. Was never the best player in the league. Was never the pl- best player in all of baseball. Once you start letting people in like Harold Baines, and then you start to let people in borderline Alan Trammell, right? He's borderline. I'm sorry. He's not a shoe-in guaranteed guy. Um, you know, I want to look at Piazza Griffey and know that they're Hall of Famers. I want to look at Craig Biggio and Pedro and John Smoltz and know that they're Hall of Famers. What a class that was in 2015 with Biggio, Johnson, uh, the big unit, Pedro, and John Smoltz. Um, I want to look at Frank Thomas and Bobby Cox and Tom Glavin and Greg Maddox and know that they're Hall of Famers. And I just don't know if, you know, any of the little Ron Sano, you know, he there was a, a train that was chugging for him for a long time posthumously and you know, I think he's a borderline guy. I don't know if he is a shoe-in Hall of Famer. Is Barry Larkin a Hall of Famer? My good pal Bud Poliquin, who I worked with in radio for years, always said it best. When we co-host shows this time of year or during the year in general, he would say, this is the Hall of Very Good. You know, this is, excuse me, this is the Hall of Fame. It's not the Hall of Very Good, right? It's not the Hall of Very Good. This is the Hall of Fame. And that's the elite of the sport. And that's where, you know, a lot of people got mad at me because, you know, we're in this woke cancel culture, 10th place trophy society. When I said that Paul O'Neill didn't deserve to have his number retired. Was, oh, but he was the heart and soul of the Yankees. Da, 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 da. Huh. You know, another heart and soul guy, Bobby Richardson. I don't see his number being retired. I'm fine with him going into Monument Park. Paul O'Neill's a great player all time, as is Don Mattingly, as is Keith Hernandez, you know, as is Steve Garvey, as is... A lot, you know, as are a lot of people, but that doesn't mean that they're in the upper echelon elite retired numbers Hall of Fame territory. When I look at a plaque, I want to see and know that it's a Hall of Famer. I want to know, you know, that Andre Dawson and 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 many 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 other guys are are Hall of Famers, right? And so we have gotten to a point where it's just become a little watered down. You know, you don't know who a Hall of Famer is sometimes, and that part bothers me. Uh, it also bothers me that David Ortiz can get into the Hall of Fame as a proven steroid guy. He was on the Mitchell Report. He was on the actual steroid report, right, that um, 
you know, basically said who was using in the beginning with the investigation, right? Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, you can't tell the story of baseball without Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Rafael Palmeiro, Sosa McGuire, A-Rod, right? They're all like the best, some of the best players of all time. But because of politics and David Ortiz, the big cuddly, big poppy, he somehow gets in because he's, you know, he's great with the media and all this other sort of stuff where, you know, a lot of those guys were either indirectly or directly convicted of, of using steroids. Um, you know, now again, I've said it a million times and I'll say it one more time here quickly. I would put them all in the hall of fame needs to grow some colonies and they need to put an actual, you know, wing in the, in, in the hall of fame, describing the, the, the 98 home run chase steroids, uh, you know, what Winstrol is and was, uh, you know, uh, Belco, Game of Shadows book should be displayed, all that stuff. Mark Frenerwata, you know, I, I mean, should be like front and center and, and like given a freaking statue in that damn section, right? Uh, Jose Canseco, all these guys who used roids, right? And we know that there's guys probably in the Hall of Fame who use steroids. I mean, let's be honest, the cloud over Pudge Rodriguez, the cloud over Mike Piazza, I'm not witch hunting. I'm not saying that they absolutely 100% used, but look at Pudge Rodriguez's size right now. Look at his size in the beginning of his career, right? Like, I mean, come on, there's like, you, you can just tell certain things are happening. And I don't know 100% for sure, but those guys were rumored heavily. And it's just so stupid that they just don't put all these guys in because I think they were all Hall of Famers before they used steroids. You can't tell the story of baseball without them. And you know what? They're all historically amazing elite players. They all belong in between their production, the impact, all that sort of thing. And I don't like any of them, mostly. I really don't. I don't like any of those guys I just mentioned, right? Rafael Palmero lying, you know, waving the finger. I never use steroids. Oops, Winstraw. You know how many guys have 3,000 hits and 500 home runs? Not many. He's one of them. So that stuff drives me crazy. The hypocrisy, the inconsistency, how an Ortiz can get in and a Barry Bonds can't how Bud Selig's in the Hall of Fame and Roger Clemens isn't, how Pete Rose and Shoeless Joe are not in the Hall of Fame when we're getting FanDuel and DraftKings and Bet Online shoved up our bunghole every day. It is absolutely embarrassing. Now, as far as these guys go, let's just go kind of one by one, right? David Ortiz, one of the great clutch players of all time. Does, again, I, I would have put him in for sure. Um, he goes in. Um, you know, the greatest DH of all time, probably. I mean, you argue between him and Edgar Martinez, but I think it's probably Poppy. Uh, Gil Hodges is somebody who, and again, I think ha about just over half this class, you know, it's seven guys. Um, I, I think about half this class, well, three guys, I think definitely should be in the hall of fame out of this class. I think we got one borderline guy who's edging over that borderline to get in. And that would be Gil Hodges and everybody else. I'm not really sure of, um, you know, and I'm just going to kind of go down the list here, you know, Gil Hodges for a good amount of time, he was considered the great, you know, the, the, the best first baseman in, in, in the national league, right? Uh, he was an eight time all-star three time world series champion, 1200 plus uh, RBI, 370 home runs, 273 batting average. Um, you know, he's got his number retired by the Mets, by the Dodgers, his overall impact managing, of course, uh, you know, the, 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 the Mets, uh, the boys of summer, he was one of those guys. Um, you know, it, it, it was a, uh, you know, it, it, it was a hell of a career. I, I don't think there's any doubt, you know, about that. Um, and between the player and the manager, and, and I don't know if they should create some kind of a, a title for that as well, you know, like, 
a, a player manager plaque, you know, for guys who, you know, you look at Joe Torre, Joe Torre got in as a manager. What happens if Joe Torre had 40% of the sex, success that he had in New York? You know, Joe Torre, you could argue his manager career and his playing career was similar to Hodges, but Torre went above and beyond that, and so he's in as a manager. What happens if he was a little bit less than that, right? Uh, what happens if Tony Larusa and Bobby Cox were great players and the same goes for them a little bit less and they had more of a Hodges resume manager and player? You know, maybe the player manager thing is something to look at for overall impact from two different areas of space. Uh, Gil Hodges, I would probably lean towards yes, being in the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, again, you look at the era, you look at the time frame of dominance. He was widely regarded as a major league's outstanding first baseman in the 1950s. Uh, Boys of Summer. Uh, and, and listen, with teammate Duke Snyder, the only player to have more home runs or runs batted in during the decade. I mean, that's that's pretty good. And Hodges held the National League record for home runs by a right-handed hitter from 60 to 63. He had four, five, six, seven dominant years in Major League Baseball. 370 home runs. At the time, was a big deal. It briefly ranked him 10th in Major League history. You can't worry about who comes after you. You look at the era. And, you know, he was respected by his peers. Great fielding first baseman. Um, you know, putouts, double plays at the position, gold gloves, three of them. Um, you know, the numbers speak for themselves with career leader, you know, with, with uh, you know, leader in games played and, you know, everything in between, man. You know, like... He probably is definitely, you know, again, I would say between the two of them, I, I would say Hodges edging on the other side. I, I would now say he, he he's in. He would be in in this class. I have no problem with him getting in. David Ortiz, same thing. Jim Cott is is a borderline guy. Um, you know, I love Kitty. I have him on my shows all the time. He's even alluded to this. He talked about different levels of Hall of Famers. He said he was prepared for the rest of his career to never get in the Hall of Fame. Um, a lot of his numbers and his longevity and his accolades, uh, they speak to a Hall of Famer. If you here, here's what we talked about on the way down Friday, right? Here here's an here here's a good way to look at it, right? When you look at the resume and you read it all the way down, when you look at impact, era, quality of the player, position of the player, right? Comparing him to others in that era. All the stats and all the rest inside the production, winning, impact on the game, right? All that stuff that we talk about. If you just read the resume, <clears throat> you should know right away if he's a Hall of Famer. Jim Cott was a three-time All-Star, World Series champion, a 16-time Gold Glove Award winner. He was an AL wins leader in 1966. He had 283 career wins, 345 earned run average, 2,400-plus strikeouts. There are some guys in baseball who do one thing unbelievably well or two things un unbelievably well. But when To be a Hall of Famer, you have to have three or four or five things go unbelievably well for you and obviously the major impact in the sport and, you know, the era. And I'm just not sure that Jim Cott has enough to be a Hall of Famer. Look, <clears throat> 16 Gold Glove Awards speaks for itself. He was one of the greatest fielding pitchers of all time. But Jim Cott also played from 1959 to 1983. He played for 24, 25 years. I mean, this guy really compiled a ton of numbers. He only is 46 games over 500 for pitching that distance. 
You know, I lean towards Jim Cott not being a Hall of Famer. And again, we've watered it down so much that, okay. Minnie Minoso, I mean, he was the first known black Latino player in the majors. That's impact. There's no doubt that's impact, okay? Impact. But what about the player? Is it is it enough for him to be in the Hall of Fame? <clears throat> his resume, his numbers, his impact? His impact, probably yes, right? Yes. But runs batted in, shade over 1,000. 2,000 career hits, okay? A lot of people have that, aren't in the Hall of Fame. Less than 200 home runs, played a pretty solid left field, right? Won three gold gloves, great base runner, three AL stolen base leader awards, won a Negro League World Series, great. Nine-time All-Star, great, all that stuff. Two-time Negro League All-Star, great, awesome. You know, but he played for a long, long time. He played multiple decades. And here's the thing. This isn't a disrespect to Mini Minoso. It's not a shot at any black or Latino players, but it's all about timing too. He was a Negro leaguer with the Cubans from 47 to 49. Well, during his career in 1947, Jackie Robinson came in. He broke the color barrier. Then Larry Doby did. So it was easier for Mini Minoso to join the major leagues which he did in 1949 with the Cleveland Indians. He was lucky in the sense that Robinson and Doby broke it 1-2 in succession that opened up the doors for guys because if they didn't you know, do that, Minnie Minoso would have never gotten a sniff in the major leagues. Wrongly, wrongly, he deserved to play in the major leagues right from day one, of course, uh, as all those black players did. But what I'm getting at is that he was one of the fortunate ones who got into the major leagues because he came right after in a sense, Robinson and Dobie. They opened the doors, boom, he broke through. You can't say the same thing about Oscar Charlton, right? You can't say the same thing about Bob Gibson. I mean, they spent they their, 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 entire, um, their entire careers in the, minor, uh, the, in the Negro Leagues, right? I mean, Satchel Paige mostly in the Negro Leagues until later on, you know, Bill Vec grabbing him for the, for, for the Indians. So I would lean towards really huge impact and all the rest for Minot, so I don't think he's Hall of Famer. I don't. Tony Oliva? Tony Oliva's a borderline guy. Tony Oliva, great player. No doubt about it. But is he an elite player in the history of baseball? When you read his resume, is he a shoo-in? He played for the Twins for, you know, 15 years. He has less than 1,000 RBI. He only has 220 home runs, 304 batting average, mm. eight-time All-Star, two-time World Series champion. I mean, there's a lot of guys who won two World Series, right? Daryl Strawberry has. He's not in the Hall of Fame. AL Rookie of the Year, Gold Glove Award, three-time AL batting champion. I would tell you that the career highlights and awards you know, signify that he is a Hall of Famer, but then his numbers aren't good enough. Baseball's a numbers game. It's a stats game. You have to have the numbers to go along with the highlights and awards. There are a lot of guys who have done certain things in the game, career highlights and awards, but they don't have the numbers and they're not in the Hall of Fame, or vice versa. Now, the numbers usually do get you in, especially a milestone thing, but you, you might have a ton of the numbers. Look at a Dave Parker and some of the career highlights and awards, and maybe the voters think that it's not enough on the other side. Um, I don't think Tony Lee is a Hall of Famer. When I look at his career resume, it is the Hall of Very Good to Great. This is the elite of the sport. There's a reason why the percentage you know, makes it so hard to get in. I don't think he's Hall of Famer. I really don't. Uh, Bud Fowler, Buck O'Neill, 
absolutely I would put both of them in the Hall of Fame because they were screwed out of being in the big leagues. Bud Fowler was the first black professional player, huge impact, great player. Buck O'Neill, the face of Negro League Baseball, um, definitely, I think, deserved to be in the Hall of Fame a long time ago. They put in a bunch of Negro Leaguers back in 2006, I believe the year was, with Bruce Suter, and they did not put Buck O'Neill in. It was an absolute travesty, and he still had the class to go up to the stage and announce all these guys, you know, wax poetic about them, uh, 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 celebrate the Negro League, celebrate the game and all the rest, and now finally he gets in 16 years later, but he's been gone. You know, he's been gone because he passed away that October after the Hall of Fame. It is an absolute joke that the Hall of Fame doesn't put people who are deserving to be in there, right, while they're here. That's why I want Pete Rose to get in really bad. You may say the guy's a prick about the gambling, you're mad. Da -da. Bottom line is, Pete Rose is a Hall of Famer. He can't tell the story of baseball without him. You know, two-time All-Star Negro uh, World Series champion Buck O'Neill Memphis Red Sox, Kansas City Monarchs, and people might say, well, you know, betting average was 258, 175 uh, runs bet in, nine home runs. What are you talking about? He doesn't have the numbers either, right? Those are his Negro League statistics, okay? He played, you know, in the Negro Leagues for only 11 years. That was it. He retired, didn't get a chance to get into the big leagues. If you take his numbers and again we hate projecting and well this would have been that playing the hypothetical and all the rest because then if you play hypothetical then Thurman Munson's a Hall of Famer right well if he didn't die in the plane crash he'd have those numbers we don't know that because of injury and other factors same could go for Buck O'Neill but I think if you take a black player who was never allowed the opportunity who was a really really good player and the major impact of Buck O'Neill on the sport of baseball Negro Leagues Major Leagues all that sort of thing you know you take that I think he's deserving. I do. The impact of Buck O'Neill also outweighs many, many others in the history of the game. So I have no problem with him getting in. Uh, but again, I wish he would have gotten in when he was when he was alive. I mean, if we took just quick math, you know, eleven years in the Negro Leagues, you know, if we take his stats and we add, you know, we basically let's say double him if he played twenty plus years in the in in the, in the major leagues if he was allowed to get in. Uh, way way before, you know, we double double his numbers and all that. His numbers probably aren't Hall of Fame numbers. But if racism didn't exist and the color barrier didn't exist, Buck O'Neill probably wouldn't be a Hall of Famer. Maybe it helped his case considering his impact on the Negro Leagues, right? But we can't just project and play hypothetical with what numbers guys would have. What I'm getting at is if Buck O'Neill played 20 years in the major leagues and we mapped out what his stats would probably look like if he stayed healthy and all the rest. His numbers aren't good enough to get him into the Hall of Fame. However, without those numbers, he has the impact of the Negro Leagues, and so it goes in reverse order, and I think he's a Hall of Famer. I think he deserves to be in. I do. Um, so I just, you know, again, Ortiz, Hodges, Jim Cott, Minnie Minoso, um, Tony Oliva, Bud Fowler, Buck O'Neill, those were the seven who got in. And I would tell you that I think David Ortiz is a Hall of Famer. I think Gil Hodges is a Hall of Famer. I would say that uh, Bud Fowler is fine to go in and Buck O'Neill is fine to go in. But other than that, I, I think Minnie Minoso is a borderline guy uh, who who doesn't pass the test. I think Minnie Minoso 
uh, had a huge impact and all the rest, but the numbers aren't that uh, you know good enough to get in. Jim Cott borderline, but on you know more of a compiler, uh, good at you know unbelievable at one or two things, but not the overall polished resume. Tony Oliva, great player for 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 a time. He was a dominant player, but Tony Oliva, when you read that resume, you read his numbers to go along with awards and accolades. I mean, is Tony Oliva a Hall of Famer to you? I don't, I don't think so. You know, I don't think so. I spoke with his family, great people, nice people, uh, proud heritage, you know, in Cuba and all the rest, but I, I just don't know as if he is, is a hall of famer. Um, you know, and we're getting into, and I'll, I'll wrap with this. We're getting into, uh, a time period here where, because one guy gets in and you know, people say, well, he should be in then you're like, Alan Trammell gets, Oh, Lou Whitaker should be in. No, no, no. We should not be thinking that way. You're either a hall of famer or you are not. Look at Dave Parker. Dave Parker, I think, has a, 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 just an unbelievable... I mean, look at Tony Oliva's resume compared to Dave Parker's. Dave Parker's resume... Li- listen to this. Tony Oliva has a 304 batting average all-time, 220 for home runs, and 947 runs batted in. Okay? Here's Dave Parker. Two hundred. Uh, he has a 290 batting average, 2,700-plus hits, 339 home runs, and 1,493 runs batted in. Okay? Tony Oliva, eight-time All-Star, two-time World Series champion, AL Rookie of the Year, Gold Glove Award once, three-time AL batting champion. Okay, those are great. Dave Parker, seven-time All-Star, pretty close, two-time World Series champion, same thing. Won an MVP in 1978, three Gold Gloves, same thing. Three Silver Slugger Awards, two-time NL batting champion, was an RBI leader in 1985. You tell me whose resume is better, Tony Oliva or Dave Parker? Oliva, uh, 1962 to 76. Dave Parker played from um, uh, 73 to 91. You know, did he compile a bunch? I mean, maybe, maybe, but again, it's not 73 to, to, to 95, 96. It's not 23, 24 years like a Jim Cott. You know, he played from 73 to 91. 18 years. That's a pretty solid, good, long major league career, durable major league career without compiling. You tell me whose resume is better. And so we're into this conundrum because we're letting in people, we're letting in too many people, and then, well, he should be a Hall of Famer then. Well, for using that argument, which I don't want to use that argument, but if we are, if you are, then Dave Parker's a Hall of Famer. (laughs) And frankly, the aforementioned Lou Whitaker is too. A lot of people want Keith Hernandez and Don Mattingly, and they're not Hall of Famers. I don't think Whitaker is either. I probably would almost even lean towards Dave Parker being just on the outside. Fred McGriff, Steve Garvey, there's a lot of those type of players, right? Doc Gooden and Daryl Strawberry went off the rails. That caused them to not be in the Hall of Fame. But many people now are starting to talk about it. Why? Well, because they're letting everybody in. So those were some of my takeaways from the weekend. It was a great weekend. I just get frustrated at the hypocrisy, the inconsistency of the voting. And um, But neither here nor there. Still love going down, love talking to a bunch of people. And I really cleaned up this year with interviews. So I hope you enjoyed those. I hope you enjoyed this podcast as well. I'm Mike Lindsley. This is the ML Sports Platter. Download, subscribe, rate, review where you get podcasts on your smartphone device. And uh, hey, hit me on Twitter at Mike L Sports and subscribe to my YouTube channel. 
Mike L Sports. And as I always tell you, enjoy the games. Celebrate your whale of a dad with a fudgy the whale ice cream cake from the locally owned and operated Carvel of North Syracuse. Everything at Carvel of North Syracuse is made fresh. So no matter what kind of treat or design your dad wants, they make it happen. Your dad deserves a tasty treat this Father's Day. Soft serve ice cream, milkshakes, sundaes, shakes, and more. America's favorite since 1934. Carvel. Open seven days a week. Brewerton Road in North Syracuse. Stop in today. Fudge the Whale is waiting for you. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.